The Love Charm by William Charles Scully Read for Love Stories, Volume 4 by Rachel May Ferryman This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org The Love Charm by William Charles Scully Fetch me that flower the herb I showed thee once, the juice of it on sleeping eyelids laid, will make or man or woman madly dote upon the next live creature that it sees. A Midsummer Night's Dream Cham Tanam No, my child. I am too old, as you can see for yourself. My memory is no longer good, and all these things happened so very long ago. Besides, you have not yet told me why you want me to talk about these old days. You white people are so wise, you cannot require to learn from an old woman such as I. Hear him now. What can the great people who live beyond the sea in those big houses you show me the shadows, pictures, of, and of which I never can tell the top from the bottom, want to know about the dead and gone bachas? Yes, yes, I have heard all this before from you. And you know I only promised to talk on condition that you told me the true reason why you wanted to write down my words. You white people are very sly. You know most things. Yet one thing you are always trying to learn, all of you, the magic of the native. And what is our magic compared with yours? With us, the Isanuse, witch doctor, calls to all in a loud voice, boasting of what he knows. Yet you, Abalungu, white people, are forever trying to persuade the natives that you are not wizards. Don't tell me, does not one of you speak with your mouth close to the end of an iron string at Umzimkulu, while another listens at Matatiele, where the string passes over the big poles, and hear the words spoken, and this over a distance which it takes a man six days to walk? I know myself that such is the case, because when my granddaughter's baby was born at Umzimkulu last spring, did I not learn it from the pink paper which the constable read to me on the same day? I asked Rachel particularly about the date afterwards, and she swore to me that the child was born two days before the new moon, and that was the day on which the constable came. Did you not yourself open the eye of a box at me with a click? and show me the next day the water-shadow of myself upon paper, and was not the very torn place in my blanket, which I had not yet mended, there too. Magic, I know magic when I see it. Yes, I am very old. I remember, like it were yesterday, the time when Chape was killed by the Pondos, when he and his impi were driven over the cliff on the Umzumvubu, and I have seen our chief, Makaula, herding calves when he was a boy. My first husband was old Palelo. He died when I was away at Umzumkulu. And my second was Momlotiolo, who got his head broken with a club in a fight with a Pondomisi. He came home with his head tied up and laid himself down on a mat. Next day he could not speak. He lay snoring for five days and then died in a fit. I had only been married to him three years and we had three children. The first was a girl. She died when still a child and the second a boy whom we called Tutani. He was drowned, trying to cross the Umzumvubu after a beer drink. The first time I was married, that is long ago, and I have almost forgotten all about it. We were then living in what is now Chwera land. 
I was quite a young girl when old Pelelo took me as his wife. Yes, he had six other wives then living, and several others had died. Pelelo was a very old man, but he was rich, and my father was poor. Eighteen head of cattle were given as my dowry, and a new hut was built for me. In this hut old Palelo nearly lived for two years, and I was quite glad when I heard that he was paying Labola for another girl, as I knew that when he married her he'd leave me alone for a time. Who told you that I went to Umzumkulu? So, so I had forgotten mentioning it. Well, I suppose I may as well tell you everything about it now, because you might hear it spoken of by others who do not know all that happened, and thus come to think evil of me, not knowing that it was Lumla's fault, and that I was blameless. You have heard of the charm which a man places upon a woman, to make her follow him. Perhaps you do not believe in such things, eh? I thought not. It is strange what a lot of true things you wise people disbelieve in. Well, well, if you do not believe in such things, why do you want to hear about them? I think I know the reason, but it runs on a different spur to that of your words. Whether you believe in them or not, these things exist. I have lived much longer than you, in spite of the drought on top of your head, and I have not only seen, but experienced the effect of such a charm. No, no, although you are old enough to know better, you are also old enough to have seen that the eyes of a young woman do not shine on you as on younger men, and this knowledge might lead you into mischief. Well, I will tell you of some, but not the strongest. There are many things which can be used as charms, and some work quite differently from others. Some are of use only to a young man, and some to one who is old. There is the duba, wild garlic, Tilbachia aliacea which is pounded up with fat and clay and kept in the tip of a goat's horn. If a young man touch a young woman with this, it will make her think of him night and day until the umdlim jana, a kind of hysteria, seizes her. This will never leave her unless he releases her, or she can steal the charm from where he has to keep it, wrapped in a skin in the roof of his dwelling. Then there is the insonga maswe, literally turner or wrapper up of words. Carmelina speciosa, a little blue furry flower with bright yellow anthers. If a young man bathes and then rubs himself all over with this, his words become so wise and sweet to the ear that no woman can deny him anything. Besides, there is that stuff which can be bought at the big stores, some landela, camphor, literally that which leads or induces. If a young man rub his hands with this and he touch a girl on the cheeks, she will dream of him whether she be asleep or awake. There are other things, roots and flowers, which, if placed by a man in the water pool at which the girls drink, or in which they bathe in hot weather, will have such an effect that their fathers and brothers will want to shed blood. Then there is another flower, which, if broken up and scattered on a path along which a woman walks, will make her follow the man who scattered it wheresoever he leads her. It was in this way I was charmed and led away to Umzumkulu, where I dwelt for a year. Lamla came to dwell in our neighbourhood nearly two years after I had married old Palelo. He was a young man of Umzumkulu. He had been obliged to flee for a time from there on account of having broken the law. He was related to some people of a kraal near ours, and with them he stayed. He was a very big man and a strong dancer, and was nearly always laughing. Old Pelelo had many sons and daughters, and as he was rich, there was plenty of feasting at our kraal. Lamla often visited my hut, 
and seemed to be very fond of talking to Pelelo about old times and about the deeds my husband had done in his youth. The two would often sit over the fire far into the night, and I used to lie on my mat, my head covered with a caross, listening. There was a little hole in the caross, and through this I used to watch Lumla, who always sat with his face towards me. I do not know how it was, but somehow that part of the caross with the hole in it was always just in front of my eyes. It was strange to see how fond old Palelo was of Lumla. I think it was because Lumla listened to him so quietly and just let him talk. Lumla said very little to me on these occasions, but we used often to meet when I went down to the pool to fetch water or to the millet field to hoe. I did not altogether like meeting him alone, because the way in which he talked and went on annoyed me. It was not so much his words as his ways that made me angry. Whenever we were alone, he mimicked old Palelo, his walk, his voice, his way of taking snuff, everything. Although I could not keep from laughing, I did not like Lumla to go on like this. He said he meant to make himself so like Palelo that none would be able to tell one from the other, and that he came to practice before me so that I could tell him how he was getting on. Sometimes he would tell me about what a lot of girls were in love with him at Umzumkulu, and when I told him to go back to them and not trouble me any more, he said he had got so fond of Pelelo that he could not bear to think of departing. Occasionally he would come down to the field where I was hoeing, and if it were a hot day, would make me sit with him under a tree, chewing imfe, sweet reed, and listening while he blew music on the ugualo, a musical instrument formed of a single string attached to a quill and stretched along a stick or talking nonsense. One day, as I was returning from the pool carrying a pot of water, I met Lumla coming out of the bush with a lot of yellow flowers in his hands. I inquired as to what he was going to do with these, and he said he was going to do some doctoring. Who then is sick? I asked. I am, he replied. I laughed at this, because at the dance the day before he had tired all the others out. Do you know what sickness these are to cure? he asked, looking at me very hard. No, said I, unless it be the sickness that makes people think they are not themselves, that is the only sickness you have got. Why, you are almost as good as a doctor yourself, he replied. Then he laughed and went away. Next morning I saw some little bits of yellow stuff on the ground just outside my hut, and also strewn along the pathway leading to the millet field. I picked a piece up and found it to be very like a portion of a flower such as Lumla had been carrying when I met him coming out of the bush. I soon picked up a whole flower. This, without considering what I was doing, I stuck into the carrying hole of my left ear. Then it suddenly seemed as if something began to sing inside me, and I felt very happy, but rather frightened. On that day I could not work. I felt as if quite changed in every way. I could not forget the yellow flowers or Lumla. I just stuck my hoe into the ground and went to the spot under the big tree where he and I used to sit, it was very hot, so I lay down, and soon fell fast asleep. I had a strange dream. I thought that Lumla came to me with a lot of yellow flowers tied around his head, in the way the pondos tie the imvani, wild asparagus, when they want rain to fall. I thought he kept changing into old Palelo, and then back into himself again, and that I was running away from him, and at the same time feeling sorry that he could not catch me. Just as I thought he had caught me, I woke up suddenly, and there he stood. I got such a fright that I screamed out and then began to weep. Lamla sat down next to me. I told him to leave me alone, but he would not, so I jumped up and ran away home. That night I could eat nothing, 
and the Umdlimnyana sickness seized me so badly that old Palelo became quite frightened and said he would fetch the witch doctor next day to see who had bewitched me. When I felt better, I lay down to try and sleep, but it was of no use. I dreamed of Lumla's coming, but when it got late and he had not come, I felt like a long-tailed finch trying to fly against the wind on a wet day. I kept wondering as to where he was, and the thought that he might be at a feast at another kraal where there was a girl who I knew liked him troubled me so much that I got another umglemnyana fit, and when old Palelo came to me with a pot of water, I threw the water all over him and broke the pot. This made me feel a little better, so I lay quiet, pretending to be asleep. Old Palelo went to sleep on his mat, but I lay long awake, until at length I felt I could not stay in the hut any longer. Something seemed to draw me outside. I took my caross and left the hut. The moon was large and yellow. The stream of water in the kloof just below was making a noise exactly like someone speaking, and at length I found out what it was saying. It was lum 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 la 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 lum la la lum la lum la lum la that the water was calling out over and over again as it ran over the stones. Lumla seemed to be all about me, and I kept looking behind me to see if he was not there. A jackal up on the hill was calling out, Yong, 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 ow, like a man singing through his nose. The bats and night jars were flitting about, and two owls were crying out to each other among the tops of the yellowwood trees. I first sat down near the hut, but old Palelo was snoring like a big frog. So I walked away beyond the cattle crawl and laid myself down on the short green grass, which was cool and wet with dew. All this time I could think of nothing but Lumla, and I kept wondering why this should be so. Why did I feel so strange and so changed? My thoughts went back to the first time I had seen him. It was at the wedding feast of one of Pelelo's daughters. I remember thinking I had never seen anyone dance so well. Then I went over, one by one, all the occasions upon which we had since met. Although there were many, I think I remembered every one of them. I began to laugh when I thought of the way he used to mimic my husband. Then I thought of the long talks in the hut at night. So I lay back and covered myself up with the caross, looking through the same little hole at a post standing near me, and trying to imagine it was Lamla, giving his ears to Palelo and his eyes to me. Next I remembered his coming out of the bush with the yellow flowers and this set me thinking of what had been strewn on the path. Then I suddenly understood the whole thing. I was bewitched. Lumla had said the flowers were for medicine, and this was what he had meant, the rogue. When the thought first struck me, I felt very much frightened, and I jumped up, meaning to run into the hut at once. However, I remained where I was for a little time, and then my fright seemed to pass away. Then I walked on a few yards and sat down on the grass. I listened to the water calling out Lumla's name and thought seriously over the whole matter of Lumla and his doings. After considering for a while, I concluded that in spite of the Umdlemnyana sickness, being bewitched was, after all, not so very terrible. I had often heard of girls being charmed in this way, and I knew that one cure for it was to follow the man about and make him take off the charm. Aha, my friend Lumla, thought I, I am up to your ways and tricks and we'll let you know it the next time we meet. You have not got a silly girl to deal with this time, but a woman who has been married nearly two years, and who can take care of herself very well, in spite of the umdlemnyana. The dogs suddenly began to bark all together, and then they rushed around to the back of the cattle kraal, where they all ceased barking. 
just afterwards a man walked out into the moonlight from behind the kraal fence and came slowly towards me it was lumla the dogs knew him and were running after him and fawning he came up to where i was sitting and without saying a word took my hands in his and drew me gently towards him i stood up and then he walked on and i followed i could not have resisted then even if i had wanted to but i do not think i wanted to at all you see the charm had influenced me more strongly than i had thought i was no longer myself but just lumla and nothing else i followed lumla down the hill along the path to the millet field and then we sat down under the tree the dogs came too and lumla got very angry because he could not at first manage to drive them back lumla said i you have bewitched me with those yellow flowers and we will both be killed by pelelo's sons no said he it is you that have bewitched me and i only used those flowers to cure myself after a while we went on together lumla leading me by the hand when we reached a little bush near the kraal he was living at he left me for a short time and then he returned with two bundles one of which he gave me to carry we walked on all night just before daybreak we turned to the left and entered a thick forest here we spent the day we did not light a fire lumla had brought some millet already boiled in a skin bag we ate this and also some roots which he dug up with the blade of his spear from a hollow tree he brought some of the sweetest honey i have ever tasted he did not seem to mind the bees stinging him at all all this time we hardly spoke a word in the afternoon we were sitting together hidden in some thick green brushwood i heard a rustle and looking up saw a long green snake gliding through the branches just over lumla's head i called out look there is a snake he just smiled and without standing up killed the snake with one blow of his stick it nearly fell on him so i screamed out but he laughed and comforted me and said that he had been doctored by a great wizard against all dangerous things except me then he asked me how i liked being bewitched i replied i like it very well now because the charm is on me but i know that by and by i will be very angry he laughed very loud at this afterwards he asked me if i knew what had really happened i answered yes lumla you wicked man you have bewitched me and made me follow you away from my home no you are mistaken said he i am not lumla at all but your husband pelelo in lumla's body lumla is still at the kraal in the body of pelelo i could not understand how this could be and i now know that he was talking nonsense but at the time the charm was so strong on me that i would have believed anything he told me that night we crossed the umzimvubu and reached the big forest below the tabankulu here we lay down and slept the sun was high when we awoke we travelled on through the forest and again rested and spent the night on the other side next day we went on without concealment through the open country we were now in pondo land so had nothing to fear we just wandered on quietly from kraal to kraal getting food in plenty for lumla had such pleasant ways especially with the woman that we were always made welcome lumla said i was his wife whom he had fetched from pondamisi country and no one seemed to doubt his words when we reached the Batcha country in umzumkulu we went straight to the kraal of lumla's father and when he told his relations that i was his wife and that he had paid lobola for me they all laughed at him and asked whether horns or feathers grew on the lobola cattle i did not see at the time why they should have doubted his words but i found out the reason afterwards at first we lived very happily for the charm was still strong upon me 
but after some months Lomla began to go away from home very often, and then I heard that he was courting another girl. Well, he married her, and she and I quarrelled, and he took her part and beat me, so I became very miserable. It was nearly a year after we came to Umzumkulu that my baby, a boy, was born. One day, when my baby was over a month old, who should walk up to the kraal but the Machoba, old Pelelo's great-son? I picked up the child and ran away into the bush, but next day I got hungry and had to return. Machoba was not very angry. It turned out that Pelelo was dead. Machoba said that I must return with him. I was not sorry to do so, because the charm had now quite passed away from me. Machoba brought a law case before the chief against Lamla for taking me away. I told all about the charm which he had used, and Lamla did not deny having used it. He was ordered by the chief to pay ten head of cattle as a fine. These his father had to pay, because Lamla had no cattle of his own. The chief said that if Lamla's father had got him a wife, Lamla would not have gone about bewitching the wives of other people. When the cattle were paid, the chief took five head, and Machoba and I drove the other five to my old home. Soon afterwards I was married to Momlo Tiolo. My baby grew up and became just like his father, both in appearance and ways. When quite a young man, he was smelt out for bewitching one of the wives of the chief and had to flee for his life. I have never heard of him since. No, no, I'm not going to tell you anything more about the flower. It was not a yellow flower at all, but one of quite another colour. Besides, it is young man's charm and therefore would be of no use to you. End of the Love Charm by William Charles Scully